most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 176 of Keeping Up With The Joneses, where this week we're talking about the kindness of God. But first, Alan, how was the week? The week was full. It was. Ask me how I know that. How do you know that? Because I'm arriving at the end of it limping. (laughs) I know, right? Just like, I'm going to make it. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday, we were both teaching at the school. I like it when we're both teaching. Why? Well, I like it when we're in the thick of it. Yes. I don't like the fallout of that because neither of us have energy for anything else. When we no, get home. it's like, do we have to feed the children? Right. Couldn't they learn fasting this week? And you made an interesting point. You were teaching Ephesians verse by verse through the whole book. Yes. And I've never done that. That I've, I've never done anything like that. And you were saying it's mentally, not exhausting, but it's mentally tiring because you're reading every verse. You're encouraging the students to stop and ask anything. And then you discuss. So you're having to mentally keep track of what you've prepared, where you're going, what the time is. I've got six sessions to get this through. Plus, I'm leaving room for questions. You've no idea what kind of questions you're going to get, what what curveballs are going to come at you. I'd never thought of that because when I teach, and, and teaching is hard work and it is tiring, as any teacher will tell you, I know the start. I know where I'm going. If we deviate, I still at least I know where I'm getting on. That's a whole different yeah. kind of teaching. You're the only one talking when you're teaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think because I do say, hey, you can ask questions or even mention observations that you, you know, that you've seen. I'm constantly trying to keep in mind while listening to what they're saying is, is that within the context of the material? Is that historically accurate? Can we actually make that work for today? You know, all that kind of stuff. Is there anything I need to correct in what you just said? It, you know, and you know, so yeah, it's, it's by the end of it. I, I mean, I love teaching those weeks, but I'm exhausted. Like I am just a different level of tired. Right. It's like we have no mental capacity yeah. for anything else. Yeah. And, and then it's like, I mean, it's horrible, but you get home and it's, you know, Hey mommy, this mommy, that Christmas is coming. Mommy, why aren't there presents under the tree? Mommy, whatever. And I'm like, can you just put mommy to bed? Can you guys cook yet? I mean, can, you know, so Yeah. So while you were teaching Ephesians in second year, I was teaching on fivefold ministry. Yes. We haven't done a podcast episode on fivefold ministry. I don't think so. Well, maybe we'll do it some other time. But okay. that's a topic that we had in second year. We moved to first year. And uh, again, I love teaching it, but it's a lot of Q&A. It's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of... It's funny because when I started teaching that, it was very embryonic for all of us. Right. And so it was fun to teach it in that, you know, we were discovering things. Now that we've been teaching this for like three or four years and our our thoughts on it are a bit more solidified, you forget that what you're teaching is fairly groundbreaking for some of the students, just like it was for us a couple of years ago. And it's not that you have to wait for them to catch up, but you forget that, oh, actually, this is kind of paradigm shifting. Yeah. So anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hadn't taught first year in a while, so I'd, I'd forgotten what they're like. They're a great group. Um, but I get to teach them for the next couple of weeks. I'm all excited about yeah, that. Yeah, you have them for three weeks in a row. I miss year one now. I think I spend, since we started year two, I spend way more time with year two than I do uh, teaching on year one. So I, I miss them. Well, I, might, I might drive by and say hello today. I was going to say that you're not teaching next week. Jeff's in year two. I'm in year one. You can stop by and say hello. I will. I'm going to be using you as teaching illustrations this week. Oh, goody. Maybe yeah. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of the week was just a series of parties. Yes, many parties. 
You had the women's Christmas tea. We did. You had a birthday party. Yes. We had the SOSL Christmas party. It's true. And then you had the Grace Kids. Volunteer party. Volunteer party. Yes. You were like Miss Social. I really was. And then I got to Saturday. (laughs) And I just had a hard time getting out of bed. You did not. You jumped out of bed and you tidied all day, if I remember correctly. Well, that's true. But I felt it. Oh. Yeah. And then today we had Leif Hetland. Yes. He's lovely. He is lovely. I have never heard Leif in person. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've seen him at Toronto and I've seen him here and there, but I've never sat under his teaching and he's just such a gentle spirit. Yeah. He just oozes the father heart, doesn't he? Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. You went home second service because we ended up having all our small group leaders back for lunch and you were getting that already. Mm -hmm. But second service, he told some incredible stories. Oh, wow. Just some amazing stories from his ministry around the world. and. Yeah, it it was astonishing, really. I'm actually surprised he told him in public. Well, he doesn't usually use names, does he? No, he didn't, but nevertheless, it, it was r- remarkable. Yes. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can listen to that. All I'm right. being deliberately secretive. Coy. I had a great afternoon with all our leaders. They're so lovely. They are. We got how many people on our sofa? 14, 15 people on the sofa at one yeah. point? Yep. And it was just great. We had Christmas carols going. We had the fire burning. People would probably have to understand that our sofa is almost a sea. It's it's huge. When you say a sea, you mean a water, a body of water? No, I mean the letter C. Because you're trying to picture 14 people on a sofa. Yeah, it's a sectional. It's It's a massive sofa. Three sides of a square, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Does that help visual listeners? I thought I'd help the visual listeners that are like, how did you fit 14 people and be appropriate? (laughs) Sorry. All right, to our main topic this week. Yes. I was shocked that in 170-something podcasts, we've never done one on the kindness of God. I don't know how that's possible. Like, I checked back on our index, I was like, wait. You're positive. We've done one called the goodness of God, and there may be some overlap, but... The kindness of, I was like, how is this, how is this possible? Indeed. (laughs) So let me make up for lost time. Okay. Once upon a time, I was a little boy. You were so cute too. Right. Wait, I started at the wrong place. Let's fast forward. Once upon a time, I was a 20-something year old man. Bigger boy. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Less cute. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, still cute, just not little boy cute. Move on. Keep going. (laughs) Tail end of 2002. I hear about a prophetic word from Graham Cook that he he gave all about the favor of God. It was Isaiah 61. And I listened to it, and it was something I'd never heard before. And it was all about the kindness of God. And so, you know, I'd listened to a few of Graham's messages. And, and so then I started listening to some messages. And I remember listening to a message that Graham talked about. And, you know, if you know Graham... He teaches, his whole life is about the kindness of God. And I remember listening to that message, and I remember thinking, yeah, I'm agreeing with everything he was saying. His message was, God is the kindest person I've ever met. And I remember thinking, yeah, I, I, I agree with that message. Right. But I think our walk with God comes down to two things. It comes down to knowledge, and it comes down to experience. And I think both are valuable, but both have completely different points to them. Okay. So, for example... I know that Paris is the capital of France. Right. Knowing that, I guess, benefits my life in some small, intangible ways. Like, it would be good in a trivia quiz, pub quiz, capital of France, boom, Paris. Right, but experiencing it is something different. Right. Experiencing it, like knowing that Paris is the capital of France and going there 
and maybe living there for a year and eating at Parisian restaurants, walking down the streets, the smell, the light, hearing the language, all that sort of stuff, that that takes that takes knowledge and it overshadows it. The experience doesn't replace the knowledge, but boy, does it add to it in depths you can't describe, which is why sure. you need to experience it. So yeah, it makes it 3D kind of. Here I am listening to Graham's testimony about the kindness of God, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, it's great, it's great. And it didn't really hit me. And it's a bit like the Father Heart message. Remember when we were traveling and people would say, oh, what's the primary message you teach on? And you'd say, the Father Heart of God, and you'd get a blank face and people would say, what's that? And you'd say, it's the message that God loves you. And people would be like, is that well, it? Duh. Right. <laughs> but the the life-changing message of the Father Heart of God is worlds away from Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. Right. It's both, not an intellectual ascent. Right. Both are true, mm-hmm. but one is life-changing and the other is just a piece of knowledge that you add to your right. collection Repertory, list. Yeah. So, come to 2003, I dug out this prophetic word. At the start of 2003, God gave me a prophetic word. It was February. I think it was the 5th or the 15th. I didn't, I mean, I wrote down the date, but I forgot what it was. He spoke to me and he said at the start of this year, which, by the way, was the year that I met you. Oh, that's so sweet. I didn't know that at the time. But he said to me, he basically, the Lord gave me a prophetic word and said, Alan, I'm about to redefine your life, and kindness is all I'm going to have for you. I am God's kindness to you. You you absolutely are. <laughs> that is for dang sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Remember that when I went in to do the dishes. <laughs> but my point was, from that moment on, really, all I've lived in is the kindness of God. Yeah. And here's here's the funny part. He said to me, I will turn every event into an opportunity for my kindness to be shown to you. And I'm glad he told me that because, honestly, it was one of the keys to me discovering God's kindness. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I think I got that word and then thought everything would be easy from then on. Like, oh, God's going to be kind to me. That means fantastic. Nothing difficult, no trials, no pressure, no need for faith. The kindness of God is just going to show up, meet all my needs, and it's just going to be plain sailing from there. But I think what the Lord was showing me was that no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens, the kindness of God is there. Yeah. And it's all a matter of looking for it. Mm-hmm. That makes me think about uh, Psalm 23. Go on. You know, at the very end of Psalm 23 where it says, His mercy and His kindness follow me all the days of my life. Right. And so I remember... Um, watching somebody speaking on it and they were explaining this first and they were walking around on the stage and then they'd stop and look behind them really fast to see if they could catch a moment when it wasn't there. And uh, it's it that's what it makes me think of. Right. I think if the Lord hadn't told me that, because almost immediately in, in my journal, after he told me that, I went through some unfortunate stuff. I mean, just inter- incredibly practical unfortunate stuff, you know. Um, it wasn't identity theft. A bunch of financial stuff got mixed up. And I got really flustered and frustrated. Actually, I remember being on the phone and trying to sort it out the usual way I did, which was to escalate things and be really boisterous. And in the middle of that phone call, I could feel the Holy Spirit just lift off me. And I hurriedly finished the phone call. and was like, uh, uh, Holy Spirit, where'd you go? And I went and found him. Sounds funny. He was just in the living room. And I went in and I was like, Holy, Holy Spirit, like, what's wrong? And the Holy Spirit was like, actually, you know, courtesy is the hallmark of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And you're on the phone and you're berating this poor person. Did you not know there's other options available to you? And I was like, I'm I'm so sorry. I don't know what you mean. 
And he's like, isn't my kindness enough for you? And basically, I, you know, the Lord had said, hey, my kindness is f- for you. Then this event happened that, according to my grid, shouldn't have happened if God's going to be kind to me. And then it was left for me to figure it all out. Right. And then I realized, oh, oh, wait a minute. This, this is an opportunity for your kindness to show up? And so I was like, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. Would you show me what you want to do? And the Holy Spirit ended up solving it, and I ended up with a double portion of everything that was taken from me. And I, like from that moment on, really, the Lord was just basically saying, I want to show you that my kindness is available for you. And I think in the nearly 15 years since that's happened, I've not had a day without the kindness of God. Like where you haven't been aware of it? No, I, I mean, I've literally been on the receiving end of the kindness of God since then. Like mm-hmm. I've been acutely aware of it. Like if I stop and think about the kindness of God, I would say the kindness of the Lord is the way I access his heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, dovetail that with everything you taught me about the Father heart of God and everything that I learned in Toronto. But the overarching theme of the last 15 years has just been the kindness of his heart. I remember saying to the Lord, I remember saying, Lord, you could actually take me right now. I I could die a happy man because I feel like you've given me everything I ever asked for. That was after we were married? That was before we were married. Before (laughs) we were married. I was like, everything that you've ever promised me, you've given me. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the Lord has that, you know, that wry grin that sometimes he has on his face where he's just like, oh, you're adorable. you have no idea. No, honestly, I feel like my life has been a constant game of poker. Yeah. That God constantly lets me win. And then asks me to play again and then bet all my winnings from the last game and up and up the stakes go, but he just keeps letting me win. Talk about that time we were going home from church and you talked to somebody on the ministry team and you were just saying, I can't believe how difficult it must be for that person. Well, this was probably, what, six or seven years ago, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit longer. And uh, we just prayed with some with a lady on the front row and um, she was in the process of getting a divorce, uh, you know, against her will. And she was just sort of saying her husband had an affair and, you know, now he was divorcing her and whatnot. And my heart just really went out to her. And uh, so we were driving home in the car and I was like, oh, babe, you know, so-and-so, um, you know, her husband is is asking her for divorce and he's been having an affair. And I just, I can't even imagine how painful that is. I just, you know, and um, and you actually stopped me and said, uh, babe, you, you actually went through that. I was like, babe, your first husband actually had an affair on you. And he divorced you against your will. And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I've been through that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, to your point, kindness shows up in different ways, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. He's he's not limited in his affection. Or or his ability. Right. And so sometimes even his kindness is that he keeps us from situations or that he redeems situations. And we're looking for... I think sometimes we're looking for something different because we're used to fun size candy and he wants to give us something so much better. And so we complain that we didn't get the fun size candy bar. Right. And he's like, are you are you joking? And like, not, not realizing he has a king size right. candy bar that he wants to give us. Right. I'm seeing a grief counselor at the moment. I've probably seen him like, I don't know, maybe five or six times. And it's really funny because in one sense, it's a completely artificial situation. Here I am going to speak to a complete stranger about intimate details of my heart and then of course he doesn't know me 
or my paradigm or my background. And so we're having these interchanges. And he was saying grief is a horrible thing in that grief never leaves you. And I said to him, I don't think I have a worldview for that. Like, what do you mean that grief never leaves you? And he's like, well, it's just going to accompany you for the rest of your life. And I said, I would hope not. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, the story of my life with the Lord is that the Lord has been the great kinsman redeemer. And I mean, my counselor's a Christian, so he knew what I meant by that. I said, in that, the redemption of the Lord on my life has been that he's taken me from, from where I have been to where I am now, and there's no trace of where I once was. And I actually used the story you just told to explain to him that you're not walking around limping from the effects of divorce. You're you're not struggling with the sadness of your first husband leaving you. Nope. It, <laughs> easy there. Simmer sorry, down. Sorry. <laughs> but there's probably a time in the three years after he left where you were just thinking, how does this ever get better? Sure. Oh, there, in the eight years after he left, I, honestly, I yeah, I I was. Uh, it was incredibly painful, obviously. And there was, um, you know, God was talking a lot, but it didn't seem to change the circumstances, you know. So, And now looking at what you know now, how would you minister to yourself back then? I would, I would probably encourage me to focus on the kindness of God. Like, I mean, I remember a couple of years after he left and uh, I had sort of, I had felt like the Lord said, I'm going to restore this a different way. And I had told John and Carol and Carol said, well, I've been praying that God would bring your John, you know, because Carol had been married before and John had right. been married before. And I remember thinking, gosh, that seems impossible. You know, it seems impossible that there would be somebody who would be such an incredible fit for me. I'm right here, baby. Yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. Because I kind of felt like I was used goods now, you know. Right. And And so then... I mean, now I look back and I'm like, wow, God, like, can you write a story or what? You know, like when you say you redeem, you redeem, you know, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not thrilled I went through that first situation. I would have loved to have bypassed that altogether and just waited for you. But, you know, I, I'm thrilled with what God has done. I think that the kindness of God is him revealing his true nature. You know that verse that says he, he makes everything beautiful in its time? Yes. And you know in Revelation it says, Behold, I make all things new. I think that is the kindness of God being outworked in our life. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're in difficult seasons of life, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that when the kindness of God manifests in your life that you're excused from difficult seasons, you're not. You know, that's part of living in a fallen world. But part of the joy of living in a fallen world is being accompanied by a Savior who'll never leave us never forsake us, and is constantly making everything beautiful in its time. Right. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we make pain our God, all at the expense of his kindness. Right. And we can't see the kindness because we've allowed our pain to endure. I think about when I had my breakdown, you know, when I was 21, and I have this breakdown, I I could not contemplate life getting better. I couldn't, which is, you know, why when you're in that state, you're driven to suicidal thoughts. You, you just can't think that life could be better. And I think, you know, all the efforts of my friends to encourage me, all the 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 Psalms, all the promises in scripture just felt like didn't make a dent on the steel trap that was round my mind. And I, when I look back at what the Lord's done, it's not like the Lord has 
changed my life from that pit, from that despair, and put me back where I was before I fell into that pit. Right, just slightly out of the pit. <laughs> right. It, it, it's inconceivable to me the quality of life that the Lord has given me, the the joy, the endless enthusiasm, the abundant hope. I don't recognize the quality of life that I had. I have to work hard. I've got my old journals to read, and it feels like echoes of a season of life that I went through. I think about like when the Lord clears your debt, he doesn't return you back to zero. He actually gives you an inheritance. Right. And I'm sitting on 15 years of walked out testimony of the kindness of God where it's hard for me to contemplate life without the goodness of God showing up. Mm-hmm. Like at any time I just close my eyes, I can feel the Lord Jesus sitting right next to me, mm-hmm. beside me. And, and the comfort of his presence is astonishing. I'm like, who's like that? Like You've got galaxies to run. You've got lives to orchestrate, and yet you take time out of your schedule to sit and be with me. And the power of his presence is just unbelievable. Sometimes when we talk about the kindness of God, I think everybody thinks we're talking about the physical manifestations of his kindness, like the testimonies of... Like gifts and things. Getting out of debt, gifts, houses, jobs, right. and birds, all that sort of stuff. Those things feel like trinkets, not that I'm ungrateful for them, compared to the internal strengthening of our spirits that he's done. Yeah. Like the kindness of God was manifest in, in my internal walk with him before it was ever manifest in external presence, mm-hmm. so to speak. His internal presence with a C was the kindness of God before I ever had a grid for his external presence with a TS. You know, a lot of our testimony the last couple of years is about God doing amazing things for his kind things. In many ways, extravagant generosity. Mm-hmm. Disney World, houses and better houses. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. gifts yeah. and surprises, all those sorts of things. Those are amazing and I love them. Mm-hmm. But those aren't what I point to when I think about the kindness of God. They're, they're certainly included. But I think that the comfort, the kindness, the connection, the internal dialogue that I've had with the Lord, that's what I point to when I talk about the kindness of God. Yeah, that makes sense. I just wanted to clarify that. And and, unless people think I'm just purely talking about external things, it's absolutely included. But I, I I just love him. He's just so amazing. I mean, it makes sense Like when you think about if you think about it in terms of parents and children, certainly part of kindness to your kids is that you buy them presents and you take them out for dinner and, right. you know, that kind of stuff. But but the more important stuff is the cuddles in the morning and the, you know, just know, knowing what they like and what they don't like and what makes them excited and what doesn't and the dance parties and all the things that don't have a monetary value. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I love is that his kindness seems to be custom built to our hearts yeah he speaks kindness to us in the ways we understand it i remember when i met you i met you as my teacher before i met you as my girlfriend (laughs) and you you were a very naughty student just kidding (laughs) you confused me because i remember listening to your story like i had aj taught our school on the father heart of god it was five days straight monday through friday And every day, it seemed like the trauma got worse. Like, you were telling your story. And on Monday, I was like, oh my gosh, how has anyone survived that? Then we get to Tuesday, and I'm like, wait, there's more trauma? And then Wednesday. And I was like, I can't reconcile the person telling the story with the person in the story. Yeah. 
I, I've had people since then say to me, I, I don't believe your testimony because I don't know how it doesn't show on you. I remember leaning in and squinting my eyes and trying to work out, not that I didn't believe you, but I was just like, I have never met anybody who so radiates health, wholeness, and healing whose life has been marked by such tragedy and destruction. How, how is this possible? And, you know, you would tell stories about your rich and vibrant relationship with the Father, and I was like, oh, this chick is acquainted with the kindness of God. You know, my story started with Graham Cook's testimony that totally inspired me. What was your story into the, the kindness of God? I would say it's um, difficult to separate my journey into the kindness of God from my journey into God's heart for me. Do, do you know what I mean? Because I think it's oh, all absolutely. sort of intertwined. Um, so certainly showing up at TACF in 91 and um, hearing that there was this wonderful father that I had no idea about, you right. know, and I'd been saved for several years by then. And, you know, I had inter spurst gone to church throughout my childhood i mean i mostly tried to hide until people gave up and left for church and then i'd come out and play until they came home but um you know i i i didn't know i didn't know about the father at all and so after arriving at church i spent sort of the first year and a half fighting the idea of a loving father right um but there was this one moment on a sunday morning and i think it was about a year and a half in and um, I was, there was a guest speaker that morning and he said he was going to speak out of Leviticus or something. And I was so excited because, you know, every single Sunday morning they were talking about the father heart of God, you know, the, a loving father and all this kind of stuff. And I, I didn't, I mean, I was so wounded. I didn't have a paradigm for that. You know, I, I didn't want to see God as a father because that word represented so much pain for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was excited we had guest speaker because I thought, well, finally, I'm not going to hear a father heart message. This is amazing, you know. And then when he said, you know, turn to Leviticus and whatever, I can't even remember what he was speaking on healing, I think, actually. I was just stoked. But somehow he even managed to bring it back around to the the kindness of God, you know, and how much he loves us and stuff. And I was just like, Ugh, here we go again, you know. And, um, but at the end he asked people to stand up for prayer for, you know, healing or whatever. And I stood up because I just realized, you know what, everybody's so excited about this and I'm, I'm really not. And so I, I want to be, but I, I don't even know what to do now. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get there. Was this you having the wake up call between the difference between knowledge and experience? Oh, I'm sure. Like, like, so you're saying, oh, look, I know that God is good. Why are you, uh, do you just not get it? Like, Yes. Well, I would mentally agree that it's in scripture, but I wouldn't say that I knew it. And it hadn't impacted your life? Not at all. Right. No. Um, I mean, I was still surviving. Every day was about survival. And so, um, anyway, I remember standing up and he was praying for different things, but I just stood up and I said, Lord, I know that I don't understand what everybody's so excited about, but I really want to get it because it seems really important. And that was it. That was all I prayed. And that night I had a dream, and it was super vivid. Um, I've always been a dreamer anyway, but I mean, I still remember the dream just like I had it yesterday. Um, and in this dream, I was running up to the father's house, 
and I had a group of people with me, um, and they were all sort of behind me. Uh, and I got to the house first, and I had a key. And so I opened the door and came inside. And right when you came in the, the front doors, off to the right, was this um, really warm, comfortable room. There was a big fire in the fireplace. You know, this thing was, it looked like Dublin Castle. Like, it was a big mansion of a house. And it was this red room. Uh, with all these couches and like snacks and board games and all this stuff. And so everybody ran in there and just started making themselves, you know, comfortable. And and I remember thinking, guys, what are you doing? Like, let's find him first. Like, right. we need to find him and then we can be comfortable. Like, then we can f- play with the stuff that he has for us, but let's find him. And um, everybody was like, oh, AJ, you're so intense, which... Often people did say that to me. I was fairly intense. And so I just, well, I'm I'm going. I'm going to go find him. And uh, my cousin was with me. And so her and my roommate and these two guys that were friends of ours ran with me. And we ran up. The first thing we did was run up this spiral staircase. And when we got to the top floor, um, I ran down the hallway. Now, everything is black and white except for that red room. Everything was black and white and kind of covered in cobwebs, but I couldn't see cobwebs. Do you know what I mean? Like Uh that kind of feeling. Um, But I ran down the hallway and I ran off to the right and ran into this room and I knew it was my room in the father's house. And as I ran in the room, um, I, it came into color and it was bright yellow. Um, and the only thing that was in the room, there wasn't a dresser or anything. There was just this huge bed. And in the dream, I did like this cool ninja move where I jumped into the air and rotated midair and landed on my back, you know, in the middle of the bed. And I was like, oh, you know, this is amazing. And I'm like lying there. And I didn't know where the other four had gone off to. I didn't care, you know. And um, so I'm lying there and and I hear the Lord say, or I hear a voice say, let the sun in. And I'm like, oh, let the sun in. So I jump down off the bed and I start throwing open the windows. So I throw open the windows in my room and I run out to the hallway and I run to the far end away from the spiral uh, staircase and I throw open the window. And as I threw it open, what came in looked like sort of liquid gold, like it came in on an angle and it started just creeping up the the walls. And as it did, all of a sudden, everything came into color. Like it was like this incredible wallpaper on the walls. And I mean, it was just, it looked like a palace. And I was like, this is amazing. So as I ran back up the hallway, I started just throwing open all of the windows and all the different rooms. And so I saw my friends in different rooms and stuff. And I just threw open the windows and I I won't go into that part. But um, I, I then ran past the spiral staircase and up three stairs into the father's bedroom. And as I came in, I was like, oh, I've got to get the window open because it was still sort of black and white. I could kind of see there was a bit of purple or blue, but I, I couldn't really see definition. And so I went over to the window and I, I couldn't reach it. It was so high. Everything was so big in this room. It was mm-hmm. like, I was like the smallest person, you know, as an ant almost. And uh, I actually, 
I would say it's like equivalent to our bed and having a two year old, you know, it's just like, I couldn't reach anything. And, um, so I went over to the window and as I went over to the window and I realized I couldn't do anything, I was like, Oh, I can't let the sun in the, the window. Actually, the curtains came across like by themselves and the window opened by itself. And all of a sudden there's light streaming in the room. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it was incredible, you know, blue and purple. It was just beautiful. And I went over and I stood at the end of the bed. And even with my hands raised above my head, I only came to half the height of this bed. Wow. And I realized I have no hope of getting up there. There was like this veil around the, the bed. And I thought, there is no way I can get up there. And I remember just sitting there for a second. And then I just reached up my hands and I said, up, Papa. And when I did that, it was like, you know how you pick up a little kid and you sort of toss them up onto a bed, you kind of, you know, flip them up onto a bed? I'm very familiar with that. I know you are. Um, so that's what happened. All of a sudden, I flipped up through the veil onto the bed and the father was on the bed. And I sat in the father's lap and he started laughing and I started laughing. And then I woke up. And the first time that I had the dream, I could hear God audibly laughing in my bedroom for about 10 seconds. And I remember when I stopped hearing the sound, just thinking, oh God, you're real. And then my second thought was, and you're happy? You know, because I I just really didn't know him at all. Right. I ended up having the exact same dream seven times. Over the course of how long? About three years. You'd have that dream just repeatedly. Exactly the same, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, yeah, it was remarkable. And in those three years, would you say that your concept of God and the kindness of God began to shift wide open? It was the steepest learning curve I think I've ever experienced of anything in my life. I mean, from that moment, that was the morning that I woke up, and after having the thought of, you're real and you're happy, which, you know, God, in my mind, was angry and disappointed, you know? Right. Stern. Right. Distant. All the things that my dad was when I was a kid. Right. Right? And so, I the verse that went through my head once I sort of came back to, oh, wow, what just happened, was the um, John 14, verse 6, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And the thought that went through my head, and I I think I probably had heard somebody make the statement, but I had never understood it, was in order for him to be a way, there must be a destination. Jesus says he's the way, and he's the way to what? He's the way to who? And I realized I was stuck on the way. Um, So over the next three years, I would say it was the steepest learning curve into understanding God's goodness and his kindness and his love for me. Um, In three years, I mean, I would have said I was almost a completely different person. He's just relentless, isn't he, in his pursuit of, of making himself known. I remember the Lord saying in 2003, Alan, I'm going to weary you with my kindness. And I thought about that verse. Remember when Peter, they've been out fishing all night, This happens twice in Peter's life, and the Lord comes and, you know, they haven't caught a thing all night, and then the catch is so big that in one reading it begins to break the boats, and, you know, they have to call over other boats. Yeah. In one of the readings, 
Peter says to him, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And I, when the Lord said, I'm going to weary you with my kindness, I had that picture that actually his kindness is going to come so near to me that I'm going to have no paradigm for why he's being that kind. Yeah. Because his kindness isn't based on our performance. You know, God hasn't been kind to Graham or God hasn't been kind to me because we're better Christian than other people. Like That's preposterous. Right. He's been kind because that's who he is. I just see the traces of God's kindness everywhere in my life. Even even thinking about losing my parents. I'm not saying losing my parents is the kindness of God. I don't mean that at all. I mean in deep sorrow and in deep sadness all the way through that journey with the Lord, the kindness of God is everywhere in it. And I just think... Yeah. God, who are you? Like, what are you like? Like, is this your normal way of dealing with man? And I think it is. Honestly, I think a lot of us miss the kindness of God because we have no landing strip for it. Ooh. You know, we're we're not expecting it. We don't know how to partner with him like that. And and we're not looking for it. And again, often you only see what you're really looking for. That's so true. So I, I think even if you're listening today and you're like, that that hasn't been my experience yet. You know, I haven't I haven't known God's kindness in that way. To to maybe just let him know, hey, I wanna see your kindness. Would you show me your kindness? I want to experience your kindness. Would you help create a landing strip in which it could land uh in my heart and and really take root? Because I, the Lord's no respecter of persons. You know, what he's done for Alan, what he's done for me, he wants to do for you. That's that's not up for debate. So it's more about, hey, if you want that, then actually saying, Lord, I, I'm saying yes to learning about your kindness this year. Would you make 2018 the year of your kindness, That you know, the year that it landed in your heart? I think I, I, I fully agree with that, babe. I think if you're listening to this, and perhaps you looked at the title and you were like, the kindness of God, if you're aware that you have a knowledge of it, but not an experience of it, put yourself in that category. I, the number of things that God's done for me, without me feeling passion for it, is ridiculous. Like, as in the number of things that God has answered when I've just cognitively said, God, would you do this for me? Without, like, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, prayers only work when there's, like, burden or drivenness or an emotional conviction. No, prayer works according to your partnership, your verbal agreement. Yeah. So much of the things the Lord's done in my life has just been because I've shown up. There's been nothing really attached to it other than my will to put me to put me in a room or to ask God to do something. And so, yeah, I I look back on 15 years and just think, God, truly the kindness of God is the testimony of my life. Like, God, what are you like? You're unbelievable. Yeah. And I I also would say if you're saying yes to God and and learning about kindness, to, to also know that sometimes God in his kindness says no to some things because he has something better. And so if you can ask the Lord to help you understand his kindness, even when there's things that you don't understand, I think you'll uh, get further along faster, if that makes sense. Why don't we pray for everybody who's listening? Okay. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your kindness. You're so good. It, it borders on unbelievable, but our testimony has been, you're, you're as good as you promise you are. And Lord, I ask for everybody who's listening right now, that you would begin to break into our lives. You would astonish us 
with your kindness, would you reveal a, a new facets, Lord, of your generosity, of your kindness? And would the, our testimony be that you have wearied us with your kindness, Lord, that you have worn down our misunderstandings of you by your repeated, deliberate, undiluted acts of kindness? Mm. Lord, would you just manifest yourself in our lives, in our business, in our families, while we sleep? Would you work on our behalf, behind our backs, without our knowledge, to orchestrate situations all designed to just magnify your kindness, Lord? I thank you that your kindness leads to repentance, Lord. I think of our loved ones who might not know who you are or what you're like. Would you use your kindness to get their attention? Yeah. And Lord, if there's people who are listening to this who think they're disqualified for whatever reason, Lord, I ask that you would arrest those thoughts right now mm-hmm. and that you would... Just because you love us, just because of this is your nature, Lord, would you just reveal new levels of kindness to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so there's our thoughts on the kindness of God. If you want the show notes for this episode, you can go to alanandaj.com slash 176. And all of our episodes are tagged with chapter markers. But if you're using the Apple podcast player on your iPhone or on your iPad, you will not be able to see them. To take advantage of this wonderful, wonderful technology, you need a better podcast client. We highly recommend Overcast for iPhone. It's free. It's in the App Store. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's called Overcast. If you download it and you subscribe to our podcast using Overcast, you'll be able to see and skip about the the episode to different sections of the episode using all these chapter markings. Highly recommend it. And lastly, AJ's book, Finding Father, a 12-week devotional guide straight into understanding the kindness of God is an amazing Christmas gift for you or for a loved one. Time is running out for us to be able to ship it to you free within the United States to get here in time for Christmas. But if you'd like a copy of the book, head over to alanandaj.com slash findingfather for more information. And finally, next episode is going to be the final episode for 2017 before we break for Christmas. So tune in next week to hear about our year in review. Until then, have a great week. Faith. Life, communication, tacos and video games Paleo donuts and the kindness of God Are things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 